I'd like just for a little while this morning to uh, look at uh, a verse, really, just one verse from uh, the reading uh, that Emma uh, took from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. I've entitled uh, this uh, sermon, uh, The King's Speech, because uh, this is part of uh, Jesus' speech. Uh, Jesus, it's called Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, the film, The King, King's Speech, was a great film about George VI and about his inability to speak in public and how that was overcome as speech impediment. Well, the sermon's got nothing to do with that whatsoever. It's just a handy title, really, uh, for another King's Speech, uh, King Jesus and what he's saying. And uh, it's a very significant uh, number of chapters where he's laying out uh, his understanding of who he is and uh, who we are and our relationship with him and our need uh, for his power and his grace and his rescue in our lives so that we can live the way he wants us to live, the way that we were created to live. It's, it's a great thing. And I just want to think about one verse, particularly in the light of uh, the baptism today, and uh, the parents and uh, ourselves as a congregation and our lives. So in chapter 6, where we read in verse 33, it's a very uh, well-known verse which says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus is really here speaking about, if you look at it in the context, he's speaking about our priorities in life, what's important to us, and what things we are to use and see as absolutely foundational in our lives. And that is the context with which uh, we'll be looking at it today. Uh, Remembering that Jesus never really uh, speaks about insignificant or unimportant things. He's always dealing with things that are really important. You know, he was only here for a short time. He only had a public ministry for three years. And so that, you know, his, his words were really weighted. They were significant. Uh, they were not that long. He didn't say that much. But what he said was really significant. So we will always do well when we think about who he is and his claims to be uh, from God and God himself and what he came to do. And so uh, as a church, we, uh, I preach from the Bible. We uh, uh, respond to this word of God which has been given to us and we focus on Jesus Christ and Jesus is our saviour, he's our Lord uh, and we follow him and we follow his teaching uh, by his grace. We can't do it on our own uh, and without his grace and without his redemption in our hearts and our lives we're blind and we're in the dark. So we come every Sunday really needing him and needing his help in our lives. What is Jesus saying then, very briefly, what is Jesus saying in this uh, verse? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well as a foundational verse. What's he saying? Well, he's saying some, you know, if you just slightly peel it back and look at it very simply, he's saying some very simple things. He's saying in the first place that there is, there is a spiritual kingdom. There is another kingdom. Uh, that he goes on to say is not of this world. Seek ye first his kingdom. There is a kingdom to which Jesus is the king and to which his followers belong. And that's very significant uh, for us to recognize and know that. 
We are uh, in a very significant year here in Scotland. And there'll be an independence vote later in the year. I don't suppose any of you will have heard of that in the news or the radio in the last 18 years, uh, months, days even. But it just seems to be always everywhere talking about independence and the vote and what's going to happen and what, whether there'll be a new kingdom created. And, well, there, that may or may not be the case. But where, whether that's the case, and I'm sure there's a lot of different opinions here about that. There's another kingdom which is much more significant, even than uh, the one that may or may not be created in uh, the years that uh, lie ahead. And Jesus says it's a spiritual kingdom, uh, an invisible kingdom at that level, uh, uh, an eternal kingdom where Christ Jesus is king of kings. And he goes on to, in his life and in his death and in his resurrection, uh, declare his kingship in this kingdom, that he is more powerful over life and over death and the grave, and uh, that he is uh, powerful uh, over sin and over evil and over Satan and over all that is dark and uh, rebellious against him. He is king of kings, and it's a kingdom that he has been establishing ever since uh, he uh, rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. It's growing It's uh, being populated, Uh, it's being established, it's a good kingdom, and it's a kingdom which will one day be uh, absolutely perfected and filled uh, to exactly the right amount. There is a spiritual kingdom. And I think that's always important for us to remember, uh, because we live in a day and an age which is very flesh and blood, aren't we? It's just what you see, it's just what you feel, it's just what you touch. We pride ourselves in being scientific and that everything uh, must be reasoned and reasoned through we're not saying this is unreasonable Uh, we are saying there's perfect evidence for it and the clarity but it is nonetheless a spiritual kingdom that can't be measured uh, in a scientific way but uh, is nonetheless very real with Christ as the king so there's a spiritual kingdom Uh, it's not just about our life here and now it's not just about the few days that we have here, it's not just about what we can see, feel, and touch. It's not simply about what we can earn or what uh, we can possess or our material wealth. That we are made uh, as people to have a relationship with God who is spirit in a spiritual kingdom. And that, Jesus says, can only come through him. So there's a spiritual kingdom. And there is also righteousness. Seek ye first, seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. Again, a very unpopular concept is the concept of uh, absolute right and wrong. The concept that uh, God declares, Jesus declared what is righteous, that is what is right, and declares what is wrong. And he says it's a kingdom which is governed by, ruled in righteousness. That is, that it's a prerequisite for entry into the kingdom. What would be a prerequisite for entry into uh, a new kingdom of Scotland? I don't know. Would it be that you live here? Would it be that you're born here? Uh, would it be that you can say it's a broad moonlich nicht? I don't know what it would be. There would be entry into the kingdom of Scotland. But entry into the kingdom of God is only through Jesus Christ. Now, that's a very exclusive claim. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now, that is 
hugely challenging and significant and important claim. He's saying you either come through Jesus or you can't enter into the kingdom of God. And uh, that is because it's a kingdom of perfect righteousness. So who can enter? Me. Me. I'm a free church minister. I'll get in, surely. I'm holy and I read the Bible and I pray. I'll get in. Anyone else want to put their hands up? Who'll get in? No, of course not. Because no one is righteous. I know my own heart. I know how far short I follow my own standards, my wife's standards, my family's standards, your standards as a congregation. Let alone God's standards that are absolute and perfect righteousness. I've got no hope of entering the kingdom unless someone will be righteous for me. And Jesus came to be righteous, perfect, for me. Because that is what he does. He loves us and he comes to be righteous in our place. So he lives that absolutely righteous life. But dies on a cross bearing the wrath of God against unrighteousness and sin that is mine or anyone's who will put their trust in him. That is why Jesus says... Uh, in different parts of the gospel that to become a Christian is to be like being reborn it's like starting all over again and that's significant and important because we become in Christ new creations we belong for the first time to a different kingdom still citizens of Scotland UK, Great Britain America, Sweden wherever we're from today but we become part of a different kingdom, a spiritual kingdom that we enter the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And it's a kingdom that gives us hope, it gives us a future, it gives us a direction, it gives us forgiveness, it gives us life well beyond the grave. I'm not saying for a moment, because when we, we've prayed and we've given thanks for new life and we're going to baptize Bethany shortly and that's a lovely new life. And I guess somewhere when you become uh, kind of slightly older and uh, uh, you've lived for a bit longer, you begin to realize every time that we praise God and thank him for life, we recognize that, that somewhere along the line that, that death comes into the picture, that horrible uh, ogre, that darkness comes into the picture. And we're not saying in Christ that death it doesn't remain an enemy, but it remains a defeated one for the believer. And it means that we will rise to live and live with Jesus because he's risen from the dead. And he is king of his kingdom and we will go to join with him in that. So there's a kingdom and there's righteousness. So that's a great challenge for us, I think, today. It's a great challenge for our lives as Christians. This uh, is a a verse that Jesus preaches and uh, he preaches it to believers and to unbelievers. He preaches it to, to all people. And to believers, we have the ongoing uh, responsibility as Christians, to be seeking God's kingdom. We don't kind of get born and then just stay like that. You know, there's a great sense of longing and anticipation today in Bethany's baptism because there's a longing and an anticipation, well, maybe not a longing, but there's certainly this, a recognition that she'll grow up and that that's very important, that, you know, they'll... Buzz and Rachel will be responsible for caring for her and loving her and, and teaching her and, and nourishing her and she'll grow up. She's not always going to remain a baby. It would be strange, wouldn't it? It would be odd if she never grew up. Like 25 years later we came back and she, they still carried it in. They would get old and wrinkly. 
and they were still carrying her in in a little cot because she wasn't growing up. It would be unnatural. It would be strange. And spiritually the same is true. We keep seeking, looking to seek after God's kingdom in our lives. We have a strenuous effort as believers to remain in his strength as citizens of the kingdom, as servants of Christ. We learn to seek a lifestyle that loves God and loves, one, uh, loves each other, that we serve one another, that we give for one another. We're seeking the principles, the, the characteristics of the kingdom, of being citizens in the kingdom. And we don't just sit back and say, oh, it's all done, I've become a Christian, God, Jesus done it for me, I'll just sit back and relax. We continue to seek his kingdom. And our eyes are open to uh, the, the privilege of citizenship. And we serve him because we love him. And we, we, we pray to him and we seek him. Because we're in a relationship with him in a way we were never before. If we stop seeking Jesus Christ in our Christian lives, we may know it all, but we will grow cold in our hearts. And we will go distant from him. And we will... Um, we will shrink spiritually. We will vegetate. And uh, it will not be uh, healthy and blessed. So we're to seek him. And we're to prioritize him as Christians in our lives. Seek first his kingdom. You see, the, the, the temptation for us is to just become uh, obsessed with everything else in life. And that, that's a, a temptation for all of us at different ages and stages of our lives. That we don't prioritize him. But we just let everything else come in and we are concerned about uh, uh, life and this life to the exclusion of building a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is speaking about, um, the undue concern we have for the material things around us. And he says we need to prioritize as a matter of urgency for our spiritual health. We need to prioritize our relationship with him. Seek him first. Make him the priority of our lives. Make him the foundation of our lives. And that's a hugely significant thing in our lives to do individually as Christians and also to do as Christian parents to recognize that. I'll say a little bit more about that just as we come to an end, which will not be long. But uh, the recognition that how we live and how we uh, uh, prioritize Jesus Christ in our lives as Christians will be something our children will recognized from a very early stage and we have a significant role to play in showing them that Jesus matters to us. That Jesus is important. Not just as some insurance policy that we hope will make a difference when we die. Not just as some religious ritual that we are involved in week to week. But as a living, growing, loving relationship with our creator as created people. That we're in that growing, loving relationship through what he has done for us as our substitute our Lord. And when we do, we come to recognize that all these things will be given to us as well. In other words, he looks after us. He gives us what we need. Now, that might not always be what we want. This is not a carte blanche signature from God to say, just ask me for anything. I'll give you it. Like some kind of divine Santa Claus or something like that. But it's rather this recognition he's our loving father our loving parent, and he will give us what we need, and he promises to bless us, and he promises to give us good things because he's a loving father. 
good things that he knows are important for us. And when, when difficult and dark and bad things happen, he will still use them and will help us to come through them. You know how it is as a parent. We don't, we don't uh, grow with our children. We don't allow our children to grow and say to them, whatever, yeah, absolutely. What do you, yeah, go out for McDonald's every night? Absolutely, no problem. Sweets, of course. Have as many as you want. Stay up as late, yeah. Try some drink, yeah, no problem. It's not like that, is it? We don't give our children everything they think they want. Lovingly, caringly, we hope we pour out blessing and good things on them, but we also recognize there's times where we, we say no because that's the loving thing to do and that's the blessed and grace thing to do. Because usually if we just give in to our children all the time, they'll become spoiled and nobody else will really want to spend time with them either. And spiritually that would be true, would it not? There's many things that God's dealing with in our lives and our hearts. He's transforming, he's changing, he's molding, he's uh, sandpapering the rough edges. And he will do that because he wants to, to make, he wants us to become like him. And that is an ongoing process. So he takes care of us as Christians. But the challenge here also goes out, I think, does it not? If maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian, um, you're considering it possibly, or maybe you're not. But nonetheless, uh, you're here today for whatever reason. It's a challenge from Jesus Christ himself in his word that's recorded to us to at least consider your life and where you're going and what you think life is. That he says it is more than just clothes and food and tomorrow. He's saying there is something else. There is a spiritual reality. There is a God to whom we're accountable because he made us. And there is a God that one day we will face. And there's a spiritual kingdom that we will belong to or not. And he says the way is open. And I love you uh, enough to have died to provide the way. And to have been raised from the dead to show that power and that victory. And his encouragement to you. And my encouragement to you as well. uh, As a very ordinary Christian. Who is hopefully seeing his life daily transformed by God's grace and his forgiveness to seek his kingdom. Seek it. You know, don't, don't take on my word or don't reject it on my word or don't reject it on the failure you perceive to see in other Christians or in the church or in the hypocrisy that's there. Did I read an instinct? No, I'll not say it. Or will I? I'll probably not remember it. Um... Not going to church because it's got hypocrites in it is like saying, I'm not going to go to the gym because it's full of people that are unfit. Something like that. Is that a rubbish illustration? <laughs> Maybe it is. But anyway, you know, you know what I mean? You know, don't, don't reject the message simply on the basis of the people that you think are not good ambassadors for that message whether that's right or wrong. But listen to what Jesus says and be challenged by what he says that he is God and he comes in the flesh and he says, seek first my kingdom. It's a kingdom which he offers freely. It's a kingdom that he offers because he loves you. It's a kingdom that's spiritual. It's a kingdom that that moves us beyond this life and into eternal life. And he says, please make that search urgent. You know, seek First, his kingdom. You know, if his claims are true, is it not worth seeking out urgently? You know, if it's rubbish, 
then, you know, you can make that decision. But don't do it on the basis of because my best friend says it's rubbish or because it's easier to think it's rubbish. Of course it's a challenge. It's going to be an absolutely life-changing challenge if it's true and you come to recognize that. You'll turn your life upside down. It turns our life upside down, but it's it's life-giving turning upside down. It's good turning upside down, isn't it? Because it's talking about eternal life in his kingdom. Make that search urgent. You know, search the scriptures. Search what Jesus says. Find out what he says about being born again. Uh, Find out... uh, what he says about our need and about what God reveals of himself and why he came and uh, speak to Christians who've, who've been forgiven, who have seen their lives change from the inside out. Uh, ask them, question them, poke, poke your finger and, and find out. And if they're self-righteous, tell them they're self-righteous and they'll probably explain they're not being self-righteous. They're not trying to be holier than thou. They're simply trying to live to follow Jesus Christ as king. And if they are self-righteous, then... They don't understand the gospel and they don't understand grace. So make that search urgent and recognize that Jesus has come to provide the way. He's done it. It's finished. It's a gift. It's free. It's full. He says, just accept my grace. Accept your need of forgiveness and of my righteousness, which I'll cover you with so that you're innocent before God and become and enter into relationship. It's a great thing. So can I just say very briefly, before finishing, there's a challenge particularly to us, I think, uh, with respect to our children. Now that's a parental challenge, but it's also a congregational challenge because we take vows at the end of the service when the baptism is happening, and Finlay will be doing the baptism, but he will ask the congregation if they also will remember to pray for and uh, care for Bethany. So it's a covenantal thing. It's a covenant as part of God's people here. It's not just an individual thing. It's not something that we just do in the privacy of our own home. It's something we do together. It's something that's very public, uh, and we vow together to bring up uh, that child, Bethany, in the loving instruction of the Lord's. And it, so it's very important. And, and this verse is very significant with regard to that as well. So just can I remind you as we close that for our children, it's hugely significant that they come to know the king. You know, sometimes we think parenting or parenting within the church is all about rules and regulations and uh, ethics and all these things. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't include these things, but the most important thing is that your child knows that you love the king and that you want to share the king with them. It's most important that Christian children or children brought up in Christian homes know that you love Jesus. That's the most important thing. That is the most important thing. That you live by grace as a parent. That you will teach them forgiveness and that you will ask for their forgiveness. Do we think as parents we've always got it right? Shame on us. There'll be times when we need to take our children aside and say, look, I'm sorry. They need to know that we are imperfect and that we need Jesus just as much as they do. And we need to show them that we love Jesus. It's not about rules and regulations. (laughs) We're dripping down here too. It's coming nearer. Um, It's primarily 
about sharing the grace of Jesus Christ with them. Grace not only in coming to know the king, but the grace in our family, the way we treat one another, the way we act, the way we react. It's about putting into practice the grace that we've received from God and putting into practice for our children. And yes, of course, within that, we teach them the ethics and the morals of the kingdom. That's absolutely right. We teach them to respect other people. We teach them to be humble. We teach them to be respectful of their parents and of those in authority. We teach them many different uh, biblical ethics uh, about uh, love, uh, about self-control, about discipline, about receiving, about giving, about serving, about gifts, about all of these things. It will be a different ethic to the one that they will hear and see most of the time in their lives. And that requires effort and work and challenge. And we were, within that, nurturing them in the uh, teaching and discipline and instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we do uh, with our children. We teach them about the king. We teach them about the ethics of the kingdom. And when we do so, we will also teach them about righteousness. We will teach them about the righteousness that is here because it's his righteousness. I think there's sometimes... uh, I think uh, kids brought up in a Christian home struggle sometimes. Because... uh, And I probably feel... I felt that struggle as well. uh, Is that it's difficult sometimes to think how much you need Jesus Christ. Because, you know, you've been brought up to all intents and purposes really well and, you know, you're acceptable and you're nice and you get on well with people and, you, you know, you get on, you're as good as other people and you're in church and you, you worship God and you read the Bible and all these things. But none of these things is what makes us Christian. None of them. It is, there's this great need to recognize and teach our children also that their hearts need to be washed. That they need cleansed. That they need forgiven. That they need Jesus. That they need, as it were, to be born again. They need that. It might not be a dramatic experience for them at that level, outwardly. But there's that real important reality that they need his righteousness as well. Just like all of us need his righteousness. Our own is not enough. It wouldn't have put God to the cross. We need his righteousness to be cleaned in, to be washed in. And really the sacrament of that baptism and of the washing that it symbolizes involves that. Teach them about Calvary, that most significant of all historical events. But remind them that it's not a dead saviour that we worship. It's a risen, glorified saviour who is enthroned in heaven. Teach them about his righteousness and his character. And may it be that we shape our young people in kids' church, in our homes, how we worship with them, how we teach the Bible to them, how we pray with them, how we teach them to pray. May it be that we are teaching them about this great foundational significant truth. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus finishes this great king's speech with the story of the wise and the foolish builders. 
What are you building your life on, he says? Is it on Jesus Christ or is it on sinking sand? Because when the storms of life come, and probably more significantly when the storms of death come, will we stand? And we will stand if our foundation is on Jesus Christ. And that's the good news of the gospel. And it's the good news that we want to share with you and share and teach our children also for God's glory. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask and pray that you would help us today to know the good news, to understand that good news, not to be threatened by it, which is understandable because it's news that will turn our lives upside down if we respond to it. But to be turned upside down towards life is absolutely significant when there is no other choice. And we pray that you would bless our thoughts around Scripture today and bless the baptism and uh, bless Finlay as he uh, participates and and, uh, as he does this baptism today and bless the family and all friends and relatives and congregation who are here today. So continue with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.